welcome to Movie Fail Podcast. I'm here with Josh Rosenfield. I'm Soren Howe, and we're going to be talking about the most recent episode of Game of Thrones, Season 4, uh, Oathkeeper. Um, so a lot of uh, a lot of stuff, as usual, <laughs> in, this, uh, in this episode. So do you want to... I feel like the first thing we should probably talk about is just a quick follow-up from last week. Um... With uh, I know it comes a little bit later in the episode, but with uh, with Jamie and Cersei, I think oh yeah, that's yeah. probably a smart idea. Um, yeah, just it's well, I mean, it, it's so the problem is that it's so not an issue, mm-hmm. and I, like we had you, you the listener, can refer back to our conversation in the last episode, which we got really into kind of the issues with that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, what is there to say? Like, you, it's it didn't change my opinion of that scene at all because it wasn't addressed at all. Yeah. It's, you know, well, their it, relationship is, was equally rocky beforehand. Right. I mean, to me, the, uh, there was no, uh, there was no reference to, um, there was no reference to that scene from last episode. Um, and their interaction, the interaction between Jamie and Cersei in this episode doesn't seem to really reflect uh, an assault, you know what I mean? So I'm I'm really questioning the creators who seemed very um, certain about what kind of scene that was, which was a, a, a sexual assault. Uh, and then uh, in this episode, it was sort of played off almost... I mean, there's not even a reference to that they had any sort of anything uh, or conflict in the last episode at all. Um, he comes in the door and calls her, I think, I think he says, Your Highness or something like that. And then she goes so formal, um, but there's no reference to what happened last last episode. No direct reference. So I'm really wondering what the point of that scene even was uh, in the context of this. And certainly the fact that they changed it from the book that still has no real um, consequence, at least not yet. But I would be. I mean, there's. She seems. Everybody seems like nothing happened, and it, to me, that's a little weird. And it lends more credence to the, my hypothesis that they might actually edit that scene, um, either out or they'll change it uh, to be edit, you know, edited in a way that more accurately reflects the book or something uh, for the when it gets re-released. Uh, just because it doesn't seem to have any bearing whatsoever uh, in the relationship between Jamie and Cersei, they still are having. It's like. The conversations they were having two episodes ago, they're still having now, and last episode seems like it has absolutely no bearing on their, um, the back and forth. So, that was just me. So, I was very weirded out by that. Oh, no, I feel the exact same way. Um, it's definitely, part of the, part of the defense I heard of that scene was, well, you know, it's, we'll see how this next episode is going to affect the relationship. That was part of what I was thinking. I was wondering if it was going to, you know, have some sort of impact. It wouldn't have totally redeemed the scene, but if there had been some, yeah, some kind of development past that point, uh, it would have uh, at least justified the scene to an extent. Um, but yeah, it's like, yeah, the conversation they have they is tonally exactly the same as what they've been having the past couple episodes. Exactly. So. It doesn't seem to have changed their relationship at all. Their relation, like I said, their relationship was just as on the rocks as it was before this happened. So it's just, yeah, it's which, weird. It's which almost, which is almost in some ways worse because now you've basically made this this very controversial thing, uh, and and you've said that it doesn't matter or that like it happened and it's irrelevant or whatever, which is even 
in many ways, I feel like a, a worse position to take than to play, you know, play it into the story. Um, so I don't know. I, I it'll be interesting to see how they handle that uh, if this, you know, these episodes get re-released or anything like that, or or if, uh, on home video. Um, but in any case, uh, ignoring last last episode, this episode was actually uh, also directed by a woman. I don't I don't know why. Um, I haven't noticed this before. I don't know if uh, uh, Michelle McLaren. I don't oh, know if she's, she's has she directed fantastic. has she directed a few episodes before this. She directed well, uh, yes. Yeah, she directed episodes seven and eight uh, from last season, oh, okay. which is the Bear and the Maiden Fair and Second Sons. She directed a bunch of episodes of Breaking Bad, oh, okay. which is where I know her from. And she's direct and like basically every action scene that Breaking Bad ever did was Michelle McLaren. Like she did one minute. Uh, she did gliding overall with all the prison assassinations. Mm. Um, lots of great stuff. She, she's really phenomenal. And you can kind of tell, like you can definitely, she, her sensibilities are much more, um, they're more cinematic in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, and that's something that Breaking Bad did so well is getting directors who had that kind of just, were, were in that mindset. Um, uh, Game of Thrones, as good as it looks, it does a lot of the time kind of look like it's shot like TV. Right, um, and that's again. It's like that's not necessarily a bad thing because these directors, for the most part, are very good. But you can definitely tell when they get a director like Michelle McLaren. You like, it's there's a marked change mm-hmm. for sure. No, and, and and the reason I thought it was interesting is that they're following. I thought they were going to go into what happened last episode with Jamie and Cersei because they had a, a female director to sort of give a completely different perspective on what was going on. But then when they didn't address it, I thought it was a little odd. But in any case, I did think this episode was rather um, well uh, well executed. I, I I thought it was fantastic, to be honest. I think it might be my favorite episode of the season so far. Um, mm. It was... Uh, Everything, everything I sort of wanted to see happen happened in terms of um, follow up from the last episode. The only thing I had a problem with, and, and it's the way this uh, episode opens, is uh, is the scene with Daenerys, um, where she uh, she has some of her crew go into the sit with Grey Worm and uh, a few of the others go into the city of Marine and then give um, sort of poses slaves and give weapons to all the uh, the slaves in the city, uh, and I. To me, it was a fine scene, but it it was like a definitely a a, a last little bit of uh, the scene from last episode, and it yeah. seemed, it seemed it seemed it didn't feel like a good way to open it. It should have just been in the last. It wasn't like a full concrete thing, um, so it was a little weird to open an episode with that, uh, just because it was so quick, so short, and like we don't see the uprising or anything. We just see a quick guy gets stabbed in the street, and then suddenly they have the whole city under control. Um, and, and the thing is, I, I actually really liked seeing, uh, the Targaryen, uh, uh symbol. Yes, on, that, was, that was really cool. That would have been a cool way to end the last episode, so I thought it was a little weird. Um, so, that, I mean, that's just my perspective. I, uh, but it was a, it was a fine scene. There was nothing particularly wrong with it. Yeah, I agree. It did kind of feel like the hanging bits left over from last, which we said last week's episode cut at a really weird place. It did, like yeah. It, it was definitely felt unfinished, or at the very least, it was unsatisfying. Um, I mean, I would have been, I would have been fine with it if like they were going to open this episode with like this big, you know, uprising battle thing. But then, or even if they had just cut past it and started with her, you know, ruling. But to have or this something, kind of, yeah, yeah, either or, really. But there was they like a transitionary of, thing. It was this weird, like in between. Yeah, it felt kind of 
it was the pacing was really weird mm-hmm. because it kind of felt like oh well maybe we'll be doing this for a little while but then we're not <laughs> you right. know then it's just done um, yeah it is a weird way to open I did love seeing the Targaryen banner that was so that was cool. fantastic very so cool. cool yeah um, yeah so it's yeah you know <laughs> Daenerys and Marine is uh, in the books a controversial <laughs> plot uh, because it's um, it goes on just forever. It really does. Oh, okay. So I'm curious if they'll kind of condense it because, like, it's there's so many people, there's so many characters with ridiculous names that are all like, what's the guy? Hisdar Zolorak is this one guy's name. That's what they're. That's the name style in Marine, and they all have that kind of name. So I don't know who anyone is when I'm reading her chapters, <laughs> and it's just like it goes on and on. Yeah, I feel like that's something that they would uh, sort of clean up because they they tend to do that in the show. Um, yeah, well, especially there's like we'll, we'll get to speeding up storylines for sure. Um, so it's yeah, I'm curious if they will uh, cut that down to kind of the barest elements. Mm-hmm. Which, if they do, will put them again. It's like Daenerys only has so much published material left. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. Um... You know, but given the end of this episode, they may uh, they may be elaborating on that. Uh, in which case, I don't know if book readers are going to keep watching. I don't know, but we'll we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. But uh, but the one other thing I thought was interesting is not only was seeing the Targaryen banner cool because uh, it's a great logo and everything, uh, <laughs> and I, I think that uh, the design they've chosen for the show for a lot of these things is is awesome. Uh, I don't know how much of that was in the books, but I think it I think it looks really cool. But. Uh, the other thing I like about it is that it's for the first time since maybe season one. Uh, she's, she, you know, I know she has dragons, but the whole concept of her being a dragon and having, uh, you know, this this legacy of being a Targaryen and everything, um, she hasn't talked about it very much. And so I liked here, it's almost like she's um, sort of reaffirmed her allegiance to this family that she really didn't get. Uh, a lot of experience and time with, and the one person she spent a lot of time with, her brother, was like a loser. Uh, so it's weird that she's so loyal to this family, but I'm I'm glad that they've uh, introduced that element to her character because she's been, you know, the Khaleesi, and she's been all these different uh, other things um, that haven't directly related to her family. So I, I liked it as a um, sort of a callback and a uh, puts her sort of more in the context of the uh, the Seven Kingdoms. There's a confidence. Uh to that, yeah. to her actions there, definitely, where, you know, she wasn't flying Targaryen banners when they were marching from city to city. Exactly, exactly. She, so this is, now she's at a point where she feels just, like, completely on top of the world, like, I can take on anything, and we get, especially, I'm curious what you think of this scene where she has the uh, the masters all crucified, because that's, that's a very dark, you it know, is. It is. action for her to take, and she talks about how it's justice and everything, um, so, um, how did you feel about that kind of turn for her as a, as a leader? Um, you know, I wouldn't have done that, I don't think, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm also one of those people who's not into killing, uh, people who are defenseless. Um, I guess part of the problem is, it's short of throwing them all in jail, uh, there was no real option for her because she doesn't take slaves. So she's kind of stuck. She's either going to have to feed them and throw them in jail and, and, and keep up, you know, pay for their upkeep and everything, uh, or, or kill them. Um, but the crucifixion, I don't know. It was a little 
a little uh, intense, but I, as far as the target, I mean, I think the Targaryen banner has even more meaning there because that's par for the course for her family, sure, surely. Um, for her as a character, I don't know. I think that she um, she made the decision because uh, she really wants to solidify herself as a, as a cutthroat uh, leader. Yeah. So we also kind of, basically the last vestiges, last questions about the the uh, wedding mystery. Yes. It's all, everything's been answered yeah. now, pretty much. Um, literally, like, they, we know now exactly how the poison was delivered, even. Um, which is cool. I always liked that from the books, too. Uh, well, and like I said, in the episode, in, the, our, in our podcast about that episode, they actually, you can almost see it. Like, they cut around it kind of cleverly. Mm-hmm. But you can see Olena kind of, like, she goes to, like, touch Sansa's hair. And then when they cut back to Sansa, like, to, there's, the stone is missing, like you can see. So they don't dwell on it at all, or like, or like point to it. But it's like, you can, it happens, right? It's right there. Wow, yeah, I never um, would have got that. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, no, I, I thought that was really cool. I actually, in terms of uh, just filmmaking, I thought this was an interesting point in the, in the episode. Because it cuts from um, another weird, creepy scene with uh, Baelish and Sansa uh, on a boat. Uh, and as he's talking, the his words overlay the next scene as it transitions to uh, Elena and uh, Marjorie talking in the garden. Um, and I just I thought that was cool because it's a, it's a trope of other television shows, but it's not something they seem to do all that often in Game of Thrones um, where we get. And the other thing is we got sort of an immediate answer. He's talking about something, and oftentimes you'll you'll hear something in one scene in Game of Thrones, and then like either next episode or, like, a couple episodes later, it'll have, you'll get the answer to that scene. Um, but here was, like, immediate. So immediate that they actually transitioned directly into the other half of this um, assassination. Um, so I thought that was really cool. I did like Olena's line when they're in, in that scene where she says, if, if I have to walk through these gardens one more time, I'm going to throw myself off the cliff. Yes. <laughs> because, it, like, it does feel like she and Marjorie are in that location every single time you see them. <laughs> It's almost like the uh, the uh, the actors are saying that themselves. Yeah, it definitely felt like kind of a, a meta joke. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, no, definitely. And uh, the other thing I thought that was cool is now we actually know where um, they're going, uh, where uh, Sansa and Baelish are going. It, yeah. se- it seems like they're going to um, to the Vale, to to the Eyrie, uh, which is pretty cool because uh, I believe that's still where Arya is going uh, or where they're headed. Uh, with the hound, so um, there is possibly a convergence point. I know last episode, I think we were talking about that, and I was a little confused as to who, uh, where Baelish might be taking um, them. But I, I thought that was a that'll be interesting to see if that pans out. Um, knowing Game of Thrones, I'm sure something will get thrown in the middle of it, and they'll end up going complete opposite directions. But for now, <laughs> for now, I'm uh, I'm excited. Yeah, this was an example that I was kind. I was sidestepping last week uh, because in the book they go to the fingers first. Okay. Um, before going to the veil, but again, this is kind of a th- this is an example of like the showrunners being very um, edit happy with the books and kind of like, well, if we don't absolutely need this, we're not doing it. So I don't. It's interesting that they're not concerned at all about overlapping the books, mm-hmm. which a lot of fans are concerned with. I think, and what George R. R. Martin has said in the past as well, they consider the show a separate entity from the book. And when we get to the end of this episode. 
they make that abundantly clear. Right. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's a very it's another example of like you like that scene fine, but it doesn't really matter to the story that much. We just need to get them to the veil. Um, so that's where they're. Gonna, that's we're just going to take them right there. So, yeah. So you know, I I like those kind of scenes, but it makes it a lot a much tighter show and a much uh, uh, better paced show. It it does, and you know, actually, um, and we'll again we'll get into this later. But I think that the less beholden they are to the books, um, except for important scenes where you're changing them for questionable reasons, like last episode. Um, but for the most part. Uh, not being so beholden to the books, being willing to go forward or jump forward a little bit uh, to show things that um, that people who are watching the show are waiting to see, where it's not like a book, uh, and and this you know this is a completely different medium. Um, I think it's very uh, it's a it's it's to the benefit of the show because um, the changes they've made or or cutting things out that seem extraneous. Um, I can't speak to the book or if, if it works in the book, but certainly in a television show, extra scenes, extra fluff, elaboration, more names, more people, more things, not good. Does not improve the story at all. Uh, and so the last couple of seasons have been pretty much uh, quite similar to the book, especially the first season, uh, which actually was quite good. But uh, but the first book is also much smaller in scope. It gets way, way bigger as the, as the books go on. So um, so for me, I, I'm liking this this sort of new trajectory where they're, changing things uh and paring things down uh except of course for like i said um that that one scene um but for the most part yeah i'm uh i'm into that yeah uh a storyline that um they are starting right now which i'm excited for is brienne and podrick going off to find sansa Uh, are you that's a pairing that you wouldn't expect yes yes um are you happy to see that you're going to be seeing podrick more yeah so um so it's actually a twofold thing. I, so it, the, that sort of introduction opens with um, this is all. Uh, I guess Jamie is sort of the the core of all of those things. Uh, it starts with um, with Jamie sparring with Bron again. Uh, yeah, with Bron again, which is awesome because I wanted to see more of that. It did. It did feel like it was shot exactly the same as the episode from a couple. Yeah, of, it looks the same. Which means they probably shot it at the same time. Um, <laughs> but uh, which was a little weird. But their back and forth is great, and they're dialogue about Tyrion was so interesting um and again this just makes last episode seem so weird and out of place for Jamie because this episode Jamie does all the good things <laughs> he like he refuses to go after the Starks uh even though Cersei asks him to um which wouldn't make any sense given last episode he doesn't um he he sort of ignores her goes to Brienne uh, gives her this sword, Oathkeeper, which is, of course, the um, uh, the name of the episode, and uh, then gives her this suit of armor, and then gives her Podrick, uh, and uh, and he also visits uh, Tyrion. Um, and I, I just, for me, this this episode was a yet another awesome character arc for him because I think it it really confirms that he's changed radically as a person. Yeah, this reveals the entire argument of. Oh well, you know, Jamie's just a bad guy. What did you expect? It, it reveals that that's just bullshit, and <laughs> they should have known that it was because it so clearly is not the direction they want to go with Jamie. Exactly. This episode is makes that like crystal clear. Jamie is just a good guy, right? And you know, I'm just like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's, this is not me saying that. This is the show. If 
Confirming. There's anything in this episode that indicates that Jamie is anything except a good guy, feel free to point it out. I don't exactly. see it. Over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah, every single scene. He takes the, the moral, the high road. I think hopefully we'll, we can just put that scene in the rearview mirror. Yeah, exactly. And ignore it and forget it ever happened, which is unfortunate, <laughs> but just... I'm so so done with that scene. I know, I know. I, I didn't want to keep bringing it up, but it's just this is just further confirmation that it was so out of place. Um, now, I, w- I was watching this with a couple of people, uh, and as their parting waves, Jamie and Brienne, uh, somebody said that they got the impression that this was like the last time they were going to see one another. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but if it is. I'm wondering now if that scene from the wedding where Cersei and Brienne are talking about Jamie and it's revealed that Brienne apparently has a thing for Jamie, um, if that was added, because in this scene there's a brief like allusion to that uh, when she says she's doing it for Lady Catelyn, um, she'll go and protect Sansa for Lady Catelyn and also for, um, for Jamie. Uh, I wonder if it was literally just to give their parting more heft, which I think then is a really stupid decision, because I I was compelled by their friendship. I didn't need there to also to be, like, this background uh, to it, this um, romantic backstory. Uh, I don't know if it's uh, something that's going to be picked up again later, but if that's what it was for here, and this is the last time they're going to see one another for one reason or the other, um, I don't know. Uh, it was a little a little strange to add that that element to the story. Yeah, I agree. Well, yeah, I won't, um, again, like, I, I won't talk about where uh, <laughs> this journey takes Brienne and Podrick, which, by the way, uh, Podrick does not, isn't like, it doesn't go with her on the journey initially. I, th- I think he follows her. Um, like, he, or he meets up with her early on and asks to travel with her. Okay, in the book. Yeah, because, yeah, it, for, because, for the same reason, essentially. Um, and maybe for other reasons that they haven't show hasn't gotten to yet, but whatever. But yeah, so it is kind. It is another example of the book, of the show condensing and being like, well, if it, this makes exactly as much sense and it's exactly as dramatically interesting, so sure. just let's just do it. And he does need to get out of the city, uh, and I am glad that he's going to be safe at least from King's Landing. Um, although it was used, like, that last, like, I'm giving you one more thing, was used to awkwardly get out of the Jamie, uh, Brienne, like, tension moment. Um, so, yeah, it was a little weird, but it'll be certainly, uh, more, more time for Daniel Portman, who plays, uh, Podrick, to, to get some, uh, some screen time. Um, so that'll be good. And, uh, you know, I'm, ne- I'm never gonna complain about seeing more Brienne, um, killing people, and now she's got this awesome sword and this awesome suit, so... And then I, I guess there's the uh, there's Castle Black. I think that was a big, a pretty big moment. Well, there's lots of <laughs> there's lots and lots and lots of big moments. But I guess we should start with uh, John. Yeah, just uh, just, just, just a little bit. Close that off because I, I mean I think it's a it's a good scene. Um, I thought the uh, last season or maybe it was was it two seasons ago? W- was Craster's introduced in season two? See, it would have been season two. Okay. So over the course of the past two seasons, uh, Craster's has always really bugged me. Uh, not on, like, a it-should-be-fixed level, but on, like, a it's just, it skews me out, it's weird, I 
I hated all of those scenes because it just really, it, it was gross. Um, and it hasn't gotten any better now that the uh, mutineers have taken over that uh, that little area. So um, those moments kind of bother me, but but I am excited to see uh, John, who's who's uh, now heading up to Craster's, uh, sort of take sort of this little group and, and try and win it back uh, from the mutineers. Um, and then also there's the possibility now that Bran has been captured um, for them to reunite. Yeah, it's... Uh, every everything that's happening up north right now is being completely invented for the show. Oh, um, so yeah, John. At this point, he's like he he's still recovering because uh, his leg was hurt by Egret's arrow. So he's not <laughs> going to Craster's. He's like he's in bed. So yeah, this whole thing where he's going to go to Craster's keep that never happens. Oh. Um, well, so it is going to be interesting, and especially because he's now befriended Locke, who uh, cut off Jamie's hand. Right, and he's and kind we of know crazy. kind of an, is a nasty guy. Yeah, but who's and who's lying about who he is? I did like the sinister music every time Locke said something. There was like sinister <laughs> music and like a weird zoom, and you're like, yes, we get it. He's evil. They would, yeah, there was heroic music every time John talked, and then it would like go into these weird like. Uh, Creepy notes yeah. when Locke started talking. Exactly, especially when he's asking for volunteers to go with him. You know, everyone's standing up, and it's like, yes, yes, yes. And then Locke stands up, and it's like, dun, dun. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Oh, well, you know what? It's because <laughs> he's been sent by Roos. Right. So that's, he's clearly got some sort of... No, definitely, I, I get it, but it's just like, we also no, know, yeah, we know who he is, so it's a little weird um, to see that, that. But anyway, I... Um, uh, I'm sure he's going to be the 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 wrinkle in that little uh, plan, but um, but then uh, Bran has that whole scene where he yeah he works yeah. out. Uh, so okay, like I when I said that everything in the North right now is being invented. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, the stuff with John is something that could have happened. There's no reason the books couldn't have had that happen. Uh, really, it wouldn't have really changed anything for him to to go to Craster's Keep. At this point, this stuff with Bran is not just completely invented, but it changes, like, the, the direction of his storyline is completely changed. Wow. Not just because he's been, they've been captured, which is a huge, huge deal, but because Jon knows that Bran is north of the Wall. I mean, that's, Jon never knows that in the book. Right, and he even says, uh, doesn't somebody say that maybe he's at Craster's? At the beginning um, of the episode? It, it, Sam might say that. I mean, so yeah, so now they're both at the... John's headed to where Bran is now, and he knows that Bran is out there somewhere. Right. So And so that's a major thing, and I, I don't know what... This is the first time... <laughs> this is the first time that I've been watching the show, and I don't know what's going to happen. Because this is all new. Like, they, at this point, they, they could go in any direction, really. I really... I can't use the books as a guide anymore <laughs> because now that they've, when you, when they make changes this major, they could completely change the storylines of any of these characters, uh, which is exciting, but scary at the same time. Right. Um, so it's, it is kind I mean, it, it's a kind of thing where, well, yeah, that's, that is it, like it works. It's not, it's a change that definitely works depending on where they go with it. Um, I, the the uh, torturing Hodor was was hard to watch. Yeah, but, um, that sucked. 
Yeah. It's a, so yeah, it's 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 going to be really really interesting to see where they go with this, especially because um, Bran, I th- he he's pretty much out of story um, until at, at this point. If this hadn't happened, they would have had to go to his book five stuff because he would have been done. Oh. Um, so I think that's probably why they're doing this. Yeah, so he, they don't lose his thread, for sure. So that he can have stuff to do, and, and so they don't have to advance him further than they have to. So, that, But it is kind of just like, wow, I can't... It blows my mind that they, that this the show has diverged so radically. Because you're right, up to this point, there have been changes and additions, but they've all been in line, for the most part, in line with what the show is, uh, or what the books are, and what the story is. So, uh, yeah, I guess we'll see where it goes. Um my, my, uh, I wonder if, if, uh, the, the deal was that they had to stick pretty closely to the books for at least three seasons, uh, and then that they were allowed to have a little bit more free reign as they, as they got farther along, um, in the series, maybe to build up a fan base of both book readers and show watchers or something. I'm not sure. Um, but it's a, it's an interesting sort of, uh, uh, phenomenon that this, that this series is diverging, uh, so radically as evidenced, especially by the last name. Yeah, and I mean, it's again, it's it goes to what the the showrunners and, and George R. R. Martin have said. It's this is the show is a different entity from the books now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah definitely. You know, you, we can pretty much like I, I, I still feel confident in saying I know what's going to happen to Daenerys and I know what's going to happen to Tyrion and and whoever. But you know, they really like. I, I think maybe we forget that they're not beholden to that. Right. You know, there's no rule. <laughs> That says they have to follow the books. They they could do anything, and if it works, that'll be fine, and it'll be you know exciting to see. But it is kind of it it confuses me in a weird way yeah. because this is so it, it makes the show something that it hasn't been for me for or for someone who's read the books. Uh, so now I'm watching the show with a completely different set of eyes, mm. and this is all build up to that final scene right where okay yeah i saw someone online in a forum say so this is this final scene was the first moment that people who just watched the show might not have thought thought much of it but people who just people who have read the books were freaking out right yeah i wanted to get your reaction on this because just from my perspective just very briefly i i've been waiting for obviously for white walker related things uh, you know, we saw that whole army march at the end of book two, or at the end of uh, the second, um, the second season, and that was cool. But there was no real follow up. I don't know where they were going. There were, seemed to be a lot of like, uh, what are they, whites and um, yeah, and um, and white walkers, uh, and and they were on horses, and it was it was very cool. But then there was like no follow up. They just were not mentioned again. Um, and so there hasn't been a lot, and then there was that brief scene in season three where, uh, Sam kills a, a White Walker, um, with an obsidian blade, um, but mostly we haven't seen, uh, we haven't seen them at all, and so I was like, cool, we're actually gonna get to see some of this, uh, this stuff, and it's gonna, like, really pick the story up, and it did, um, but I also was not aware that everyone was, um, who, who had read the books had no idea that this was gonna happen, so, so how did you, how did you react to it? Well, this is a this is a twist. Like I'll say that this is a twist because the thing with the White Walkers was, um, and this is me speculating a little, 
uh, I'll get into the speculation. Uh, the showrunners had said from the beginning that they they are calling these creatures the White Walkers. In the book, they're called the Others. Right. But there's already a, a fairly popular television show with a group of people called the Others. So they changed it to White Walkers. And also because, like, if in dialogue, saying the Others, you know, you might you won't just know that that's a group. Right, instead right. Of just others. Right, right. So White Walker does make more sense. Uh, and we saw the White Walkers, at, like you said, at the end of season two. Uh, these, at least the one that we see, um, this looks like a different thing to me. This looks like a different kind of group, uh, species that, and so I, the, what I think is that this, what we saw is that's the others, right? So what we've seen previously is the white walkers Mm -hmm. and they're kind of like, they're, they're like lieutenants in this kind of army. Mm Mm-hmm. So they're like they're not the highest ranked, but they still they still lead like the, like the whites, like you said, like the, zo- um, the zombies, the, the, yeah, the back yeah. from the dead creature things. Yeah, exactly. So, and then we've just met are the others who are. Oh my god! There's so much to talk about. This scene is in, this scene. I lost <laughs> my mind. Yeah, you seem pretty excited. I was losing it. This is like, well, okay. I'll ju- I mean, I'll just say it. This is the first time the show spoiled the books. Right, right. This for the first time. This is the show revealed information that the books have not, and it, it's possible. It's certainly possible that this is not canon to the books. Uh, that George R. R. Martin will say that it's something completely different. But both have led up to this. Both have teased this. Personally, I just. I mean, I didn't get a whole lot of information from that scene. I saw it was important that the the babies uh, seemed to be turning into some sort of thing with the blue eyes. Um, I don't know what sort of creature they're supposed to be, but uh, that was really intriguing. Um, and I saw, I heard someone describe the uh, the fortress and all of the, the architecture and everything we saw uh, as the... I mean, I really thought it was going to cut away after it left with the baby, um, but then it didn't. It just kept going. Uh, so I was getting really, really excited. Uh, and then you see this architecture, and somebody described it as uh, Ice Mordor, and I think that's a pretty good, <laughs> a pretty good description. I noticed in the background... Um, Somebody actually counted the the blurry figures in the background, and there were like twelve or thirteen of them. Thirteen, um, yeah, yeah, thirteen. Which is uh, yeah, it's very ominous. And I think what's important about this is, um, or in terms of like sort of its its context in the greater um, fantasy world uh, beyond Game of Thrones, is that uh, it looks like they're doing something a little bit different than. Um, I mean, you, you certainly get echoes of, like, the Ring Race and the, the Nazgul from um, Lord of the Rings uh, with them, but uh, I think, you know, they're different enough that uh, we're going to get a, a slightly different take on the, like, forsaken kings or rulers or whatever. Yeah, it's... This is more information than, than book readers have been given about the others in, like, a decade. Yeah, exactly. Um, we didn't know what the others did with Craster's babies, so now we know. We didn't know. Um, now there's an implication that the others are literally um, made up of Craster's children, uh, which then someone dug up a line from the book that supported that, that if you didn't know that, you wouldn't have thought of. <laughs> so now we don't really know how they got started, but now we kind of know that's how they... Uh, propagate themselves, right? They, 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 they reproduce themselves. Uh, so they are, from what I can 
uh, speculate. The whites are when they use this kind of magical ability to reawaken uh, corpses. Right. But when they do that to something that is alive, it changes them into a white walker or right. another. Right. Because the baby's eyes turn blue. Right. That was the implication. And and that so that was more that sort of makes more sense than the first um White Walker we see in the first episode is a is a young girl. Um do you, I don't know if you remember that. Yeah. Um uh, and she sort of is super creepy and it's a really creepy scene, but yeah, I I'd never really given any thought to what um the others did with Craster's babies. You know, it's just kind of like it, it, it was just kind of a sacrifice thing. That's how they perceive it uh, on Craster's side. So the reveal that no, this is like <laughs> this is they can do this, and this is what they have been doing for however long Craster had been alive. That's crazy. That's crazy. Right. And the other thing I really like about the scene is that it it gives um, it reinvigorates the threat of the White Walkers again. Um, because they're always seem to be like lurking in the background, but never quite uh, threatening enough to like worry about them in any significant way. So um, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if they come into the picture a little bit more from here on out. But uh, even if they don't, I'm glad the scene was in there just to remind everyone that the White Walkers are uh, relevant uh, and that they are still a, a huge problem that the rest of Westeros is going to have to deal with at some point. Yeah, it's in, especially because, um, like, I'm sorry, this scene is just, it got me all uh, out of whack, um, for, because, oh my god. Uh, yeah, it, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with the White Walkers on the show now, because, um, like I said, the book, the books haven't done that much with them. The books haven't certainly gone to, shown us that much about them, so... I wonder if, is this just them reminding us that they exist? Or because they're showing us so much of what they are, are they, you know, is something coming imminently, a change from the book, or something that... I wonder the if they're going having... to pick up a whole thread with them, you know? I want, Well, the sixth book, the unpublished one, is called The Winds of Winter, and the showrunners know what happens in those last two books. So I wonder if they are just going to start it on that, you know, because uh, Which be a crazy. lot of characters are up to book five, so they're going to have to it's, at some point. Yeah, uh, I, mean, yeah. I mean, and and that makes a lot of sense. Um, so this is the last thing I really wanted to just address. Uh, how do you think uh, this is going to impact the, the following from the audience uh, for people who have read the books and are trying not to... Um, have that spoiled for them? That's a very good question. Um, and that's a question that I've seen kind of posed just in terms of the, uh, the, the, uh, parts of the internet that I frequent in, in regards to the books. Right. Uh, yeah. If the question is, it's what it's often asked as is if the show starts of overtakes the books and starts telling stories that the books haven't gotten to yet, will you watch the show or will you wait for the book? And there's kind of two camps um, that are very polarized. There's one camp that's like, yeah, you know what? Screw George R. R. Martin. Uh, he's had his chance. If he doesn't want to hurry up and get these books out, I don't, I don't want to read them. I would rather watch the show. 
um, which yes, I sympathize with, especially if you've been following the books from the beginning and you've had to wait all this time. Um, so that's definitely uh, an interesting way to look at <laughs> this, for sure. And the other camp is kind of like, you know, I'd, I, like the, I like the show, but I think I like the books better, and I would rather experience the story for the first time through the books. Uh, and that, again, that's a totally fair statement. From my perspective, um, it's, a, it's a tough judgment call. I think I would, I would watch, just because the show cuts so much anyway. Right. That whatever the book is going to be is going to have a ton of new stuff. So it's going to be like if if you know, watch the show and then read the books, you're reading the book afterward is going to be like watching the show, but with so much more information and so much more good stuff. Um, whereas waiting to waiting to read the book and then getting to watch the show will be like I read this great book with all the stuff and then I've waited to watch the show that has half of that thing that I've just read. Uh, so that that's how I would go about it. And be, the thing is, because of the shifting timelines, it's not going to be like season six is just going to be one block book six. Um, you know, they're going to next season probably start getting into some storylines from book six and some storylines are still going to be from book five. So it's impossible to, uh, you know, only watch the parts of the show that aren't spoiled in the books. So yeah, it is, it's a good question. It's, it's something that I think a lot of fans don't want to think about um, because obviously, look, I would rather that the books just came out and I could read them, <laughs> but it's looking like that's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, for me, um, I'm, and this is, this is much more glib than your analysis for me. I'm just liking the idea of being able to um, do what everyone who reads the books likes to do to show people and, uh, and be like, Ooh, you don't know what's going to happen to Tyrion yet, do you? <laughs> we do. <laughs> it's going to be so cool. Oh, man, I can't wait to see your face when you read book nine, you know, or whatever. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Uh, I, think, I think it'll be a good sort of uh, turn um, uh, between, the, between the two sort of uh, parallel streams of, uh, of Game of Thrones fans. Um, but in any case, uh, I'm, I think it's really exciting that they're pushing forward um, I think it'll be really, what will be most interesting, I think, is to see if uh, now that the show has been around for a while and, you know, George R. R. Martin's still writing and stuff, as much as he, I'm sure, has his own vision, uh, there's always that influence of the show on him. Uh, it, this is what happened with Harry Potter as well. Um, the books weren't finished uh, before... Uh, the first movies came out, and it seemed like at the end she was really writing. J.K. Rowling was definitely writing for, uh, for a sort of a more cinematic approach, being like, "Oh, this is going to look so cool in the big screen." Um, and I think uh, it'll be interesting now, where there are storylines that it's it, it hasn't been covered in the books yet at all, to see how that affects uh, the final couple of uh, books. Of course, we won't know. Uh, you know, officially what, what changed and what didn't because of the series, uh, the TV series, but um, it'll be it'll be uh, uh, certainly a new thing to see a, a show overtake a book uh, in the way that this one seems to be doing. Well, I wonder because um, uh, op- this is my optimistic view <laughs> that book six is at least 75% done. Right. Um, that's probably uh, overstating it a little, but I would hope that 
he's getting close to finishing that book up. Right. And he said that um, he's got a large chunks of the final book, book seven, kind of already done, which doesn't surprise me because if you've been working toward this ending that you know is going to happen for almost a dec- uh, two decades now, like, yeah, you're going to get that on paper a lot faster because if you're just writing as you go, like you said, he, uh, he said he does. So, yeah, if you know what's going to happen, if you have known what's going to happen and you've already had time in your mind to develop it, uh, that's going to happen a lot faster. Right. And if he already knows it, that means the showrunners already know it. So it's going to, yeah, so I wonder how much he's going to be influenced by what the show does, especially if it's all these little changes that the show does. Right, exactly. And um, uh, and also, you know, he he told them what was going to happen in the next two books, Uh but before he had written them, so it's not clear if um, if what he you know what he had envisioned back when he told them that you know a year or two ago, if that's what's going to end up in the you know four years later or to, you know five years later or whatever uh, in the uh, in the final couple of books. I don't I don't remember this having been done before I, um, between adaptations and source material in quite this way, um, except for maybe like Star Wars or, or one of the universes where they have like lots of writers writing books and things um that get in, that in turn influence one another uh, well the in ways. 2001 a space odyssey is the famous example the movie and the book were written at the same time right yes there uh, you go. kind of each feeding into the other but again you know like a book and a movie adaptation and just just the one very different from this long series of books oh, and this long form television absolutely and you know it's it they're both serialized and they're both coming out periodically and and it's just uh yeah it's exciting to watch absolutely um so uh yeah i think that that about wraps it up um so next week uh the episode is uh first of his name first of his name right um so uh i don't i don't know what that's gonna be about uh i I think yeah it's you probably won't be too surprised you'll probably be like oh okay (laughs) it's not yeah no i didn't think it was um i have a feeling it's about um tommen Hmm. Uh, which is a fairly, I think a fairly reasonable, guess. the only person who ever goes by first of, you know, whatever name, I think Robert might have had that, um, added on to his, his title. I know, I think Joffrey definitely did. Um, and Tom and Wood, because presumably there hasn't been a Tom and Baratheon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, uh, so I think that'll be interesting. And, and we actually skipped over that little part of this episode with Marjorie. Um, well, that was a good scene. But it was it was a good scene, and, and you know, I actually I, I genuinely like this uh, this kid. He seems like a really nice, malleable, not particularly like a, a headstrong uh, guy. Who's who? We actually got a definitive opinion on Joffrey, which is that he was not a fan. Um, but I, I I enjoyed that scene a lot. There was some weird sexual overtones, which was a little bizarre, but uh, I guess to be expected. So uh, if that's what the next episode's about, I'll, uh, I'm excited. Yep, yeah, me as well. All right. Talk to you next week, then. All right. All right.